Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Great to be with you. My name's Ruben, and um, yeah, as Andrew said, we're going to be spending the next uh, couple of weeks, the next um, four weeks in this series in Jeremiah, uh, one of the Old Testament prophets, and um, uh, I have the privilege of kicking us off. So we're going to be spending some time thinking about lament. Uh, so it's a kind of four-week looking into to four different um, big themes in Jeremiah. It's a massive book, far too big to cover in, in just four weeks, of course, but um, that's the way we're going to be tackling it. And the other thing to know about this um, is that uh, it's kind of a, a quirky um, series in that this is something that's been developed and, and um, used at the other RBC, at Richmond Baptist, uh, by Melinda and Elliot, uh, pastors there, and um, uh, so I'm actually going to be speaking largely from Melinda's uh, sermon. So it's kind of, you're hearing Melinda preach with some extra bits that I've sort of added or changed to, to make it work for me, and, um, and that's a little bit different than what we'd normally do, but uh, I guess it's worth saying that um, it's actually an opportunity to benefit from, from some really great work that, um, that Richmond Baptist and, and particularly Melinda and Elliot have done to serve the churches more broadly. Um, this is something that um, has happened um, in, in different times and for different reasons as well. As I was thinking about this, like um, preaching someone else's sermon, I suppose, um, this is something that uh, if you think back to when the Reformation was happening in England um, and uh, people like Thomas Cranmer were trying to think about how do you make sure the gospel is preached across the whole country when you've got ministers who don't really have a lot of equipping in, in teaching the gospel, one of the things he did is write a book of sermons so that the same sermon would be preached right across England um, on any given Sunday and people would, would be able to hear the gospel go forward. So, you know, it's okay um, to be preaching someone else's talk, I feel, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, big introduction for that, um, and, and uh, let's get into thinking about lament in Jeremiah. Okay, so um, let me take you back to the year. The year is 587 BC. The city of Jerusalem has been destroyed. The people of God have been defeated and exiled to Babylon, where they weep as they struggle to see God's power, His love, His faithfulness in the midst of this very dark time for them as a nation. Uh, it really feels, uh, if you can sort of imagine yourself in their shoes, it really feels like the end of their story as a nation. The exile, uh, it lasts for 70 long years and the people groan under the burden of foreign oppression as they look back on and long for all that they had lost. But it's prophets like Jeremiah who come along and are able to speak into this situation, into the situation of the people of God in exile. They, they speak into the situation by reframing the people's thinking to point out how God was at work even in the middle of the darkness that they were experiencing. People like 
uh, like Jeremiah, call God's people in these situations to live, uh, live faithfully as the people of God in these strange times and places, pointing them also to the future uh, with poetic words that paint a picture of restoration because of God's faithfulness. So Jeremiah, uh, that's, that's the kind of situation that he's speaking into. He is a, um, a prophet with a, a bit of a chaotic book to read. So um, if you'd like to, I'd really encourage you to read through Jeremiah alongside this series, maybe jump forward to it in your own personal reading or, um, or something like that. It is a, a bit of a chaotic book to read, though, a, a, a haphazard collection of um, his prayers, uh, some sermons, his complaints, Actions, really bizarre actions in many places as well. So um, his declarations, letters, his wisdom. Um, as you may know, it's not ordered chronologically either. So as you read through the book, you do feel like you're jumping back and forwards and, and trying to keep up with what's going on. It can feel like he's going around in circles. But perhaps this chaotic feel is part of the message, part of how he's communicating uh, and resonates with the chaotic times which Jerusalem uh, which Jeremiah, sorry, the chaotic times in which Jeremiah and the people of God lived. The constant change faced by this nation through this period in history and the dark times they found themselves in. And I wonder whether that might also resonate um, for us and reflect something of uh, the times we're in. This year has been a bit of a chaotic year with lots of seasons of change and uncertainty and uh, for some of us apprehension, all kinds of different feelings. Jeremiah's life and his ministry, it spans all the ups and downs of his time, from the indulgence and complacency of the reign of the wicked king Amon, to the sweeping reforms and repentance that you see under Josiah, a good king, uh, to the disarray in response to this godly king's demise at the hands of Egypt, to the seeming inevitable decline as his sons drift further and further away from uh, the God of their father. Like all good preachers, Jeremiah, uh, his message, it changes with the context from his affirmations of reformation in one generation to his rants, or um, as they're sometimes called, Jeremiads, against the injustices and uh, superficial religion in the next. We see his declaration of God's judgment when the writing is clearly on the wall, and we hear his weeping laments over the destruction of God's holy temple as well as his comfort and encouragement to those living through the exile, that this is not going to be the end for them. The challenge for Jeremiah seems to be that no matter the time or situation, no one ever seemed to want to hear what he had to say, as is so often the case with the prophets, but it's particularly something that comes through in the grief, um, in the expression of Jeremiah. However, his words, uh, inspired by God, they sit firmly in our scriptures, uh, the longest book in the Bible, actually, if you count by words um, rather than by chapters. And so the challenge for us um, is to make sure that we don't make the same mistake as the people who ignored Jeremiah. Um, the people in his day, they overlooked what God was trying to say through this, this prophet. And so that's a challenge for us. Let's not make the same mistake. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be hearing from Jeremiah seeking for God to speak to us in our day through his words as they're recorded in the book of this prophet. And the way we're going to do it, because as I, as I 
mentioned, it's a very long book, is to focus on four of the, the major themes or the repeated themes that you see in this book and, and also the practices that go along with them, where Jeremiah um, speaks about the disciplines of lament, firstly, um, then confession, then shalom, peace, and hope, fourthly. So we'll start with lament today, uh, that is naming the darkness of our situation, uh, then out of lament, next time we'll be led uh, by Andrew, I think, into confession and a true assessment of who we are and who God is. Then we'll consider the idea of shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace, how God is bringing new life even in the midst of most, the most unlikely and unfamiliar situations. And then we'll end with hope, what God is working towards as Jeremiah speaks out of vision for future restoration. Okay, but we start today with lament, uh, a practice which you see reflected in many parts of the Scriptures, um, but also fairly rarely, in my experience, uh, in the life of the church these days. Although I think in recent years, that is starting to change. Uh, we've been starting to talk again, I think, about lament as part of our individual engagement with God and also our corporate worship, uh, which I think is a fantastic step forward because this is something that is really worth recovering. Uh, it's part of the treasure that the Scriptures give us, because it says that it's ne neither necessary nor healthy to make church life or our individual worship only positive all the time, because life in the real world is not like that at all, really, is it? You've all lived long enough to know that's the case. So one of the things I love about the laments, which we find in the Psalms and the prophets, and actually Jeremiah has a, has a follow-up volume called Lamentations, uh, he's just that kind of guy, um, is they, they give us permission to be completely honest with God and with each other. I think that's really good, that's very helpful. And what, these, um, what, what laments are, as we come across them in the Scriptures, they are really an act of faith as we bring our situations and our feelings of distress to God, trusting that He hears and actually sits with us in, in that darkness. Uh, Jeremiah, as I said, is, is particularly known for his laments. Um, some scholars call him the weeping prophet because of this. Um, he does really give us an open window into the depths of his emotions, his questions, his fears, his responses to the brokenness of the world and uh, and, and how we find ourselves in that. And so, the end of Jeremiah 8 is a pretty good example, I think, of Jeremiah's laments. It's the one, and it is one that I think invites us into the practice of lament ourselves. So, um, I'm going to read through that together with us and give us a, it's a, quite a short, um, a short lament, but it will give us a good idea uh, and something to kind of... Um, uh, consider and, and bounce around with as we think about um, what biblical lament looks and feels like. So, um, here we have um, from verse 18 of chapter 8 in Jeremiah. You can follow along on your devices or Bible or on the screen. So, Jeremiah 8 from verse 18. You who are my comforter in sorrow, my heart is faint within me. Listen to the cry of my people from a land far away. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king no longer there? 
Why have they aroused my anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn, and horror grips me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. Jeremiah here, uh, these are very um, emotion-laden words, aren't they? But Jeremiah here, he begins with a statement of trust. I think it's the first thing we need to see. He begins with a statement of trust, acknowledging God as comforter in sorrow. Um, There are plenty of other names that Jeremiah is going to call God in his laments, but what we see here is that all his um, accusations, his complaints... These hard things that he's speaking about, they are built firmly on a foundation of trust. So, lament, it's not an act of unfaith. Um, It's actually a bold declaration of faith in a God who is willing to take whatever we have to throw at him. It's not a complaint used as an excuse to deny God's goodness or his existence. You'll find many examples of that in the Bible. Think of the Israelites in the wilderness... Um, as they'd been released from slavery in Egypt by God, they complain as they're wandering around. They complain about God, saying, where's all the nice food? We don't have any water. God doesn't care for us. Um, He's just brought us out here to die. Uh, Life was so much better back in Egypt. That's not lament. That's just whinging. (laughs) It's just whinging in a godless and faithless way. But lament is different than that because it actually springs from a deep sense that God is good. You can see how they're similar, but really importantly different. A deep sense that God is good, even though our circumstances might be awful. And, uh, and Jeremiah here reminds us that God is a comforter. He can be relied upon. In fact, that is the only good reason to lament, isn't it? It's a form of prayer to the God who truly does care and can set things to rights, even though he might choose to delay So, we have at the outset of hearing Jeremiah's lament a permission to be real with God and to do so in the context of trust with an attitude of um, resting in the reality of God's concern. As we move on in verse 1, though, we, we also hear an honest expression of how Jeremiah feels. He says, His heart is faint within him. My heart is faint within me. This is no mere... Um, superficial emotion. This is a really deep-seated agony that, uh, that Jeremiah is expressing here, like you see echoed in many times in the Psalms as well, I think. It gives rise to um, genuine questions. He's really, he's wrestling here, uh, thinking about things like rejection and abandonment. Has God left us Is he no longer on his throne? Is this chaos because God is actually not the all-powerful God we thought him to be? These are the questions that experiences like exile provoke. 
but they also echo down through the ages on the lips of many as we experience all sorts of different things. Experience suffering and sorrow, uh, all the different things that life can throw us. Trusting in God doesn't make us immune from these emotions and questions. Uh, we know this in our own lives, our own communities, and pretending they're not there is not the right answer, I think. Bringing them to God is what Jeremiah does, and, and that's an example for us to follow. That's actually all we've got, I think, in some of these really hard places that we can find ourselves in. At the same time, Jeremiah is able to recognise the fragility of where God's people have put their hope. Um, so in that middle section of the lament there, listen to the cry of my people from a land far away, is the Lord not in Zion? Is the king no longer there? God's answer, why have they aroused my anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols? They've been looking for meaning and purpose for life in things that can never satisfy their longing is only exacerbated by the realisation that these things that they put their trust in, they don't last and can't deliver. Um, for them, it was foreign idols. For us, it could be any number of things. Wealth, security, self-sufficiency, uh, desire for independence. Uh, whatever it is, we could be looking to, to things that are not God um, to, to kind of fill that space in a way that they never will. And so I wonder how the last months have exposed for us just how fragile um, the things of this world that seem so secure, how fragile they actually can be. The things we often take for granted and assume are unchanging, then when they do change, you're like, ah, oh, why have I been relying on that rather than God? But while in lament our vulnerabilities are exposed, uh, it's not the time for judgment. See, even as Jeremiah, he names the sin of his people, he's gripped with horror as he feels the weight and the crushing burdens that they're experiencing, his lament is not for himself alone. As God's appointed leader, he actually identifies with the freight of their brokenness and wounds. That's really interesting. Uh, how, how Jeremiah, um, I think in, these, uh, in this lament, it's, it's almost like an encouragement to weep with those who weep, as we um, hear it expressed in a part of the New Testament. Um, we have an example here of Jeremiah really deeply identifying with um, the pain of his people. And so it gives us an insight into the way that lament can be uh, an encouragement for those of us who might be doing okay ourselves but we're walking alongside others who are deeply hurting, facing darkness and brokenness themselves. And if that's you at the moment, perhaps you're not in a space where you feel like you need to lament personally, but you're walking alongside someone who is just doing it really tough. What do you do with that? What do you do with what you're hearing or seeing because of that relationship? Do you just bottle it up? Push it aside, forget about it? ignore it? Well, Jeremiah here reminds us that we don't need to do that. He reminds us, actually, that if we don't know how to lament in those times, we'll find that an overwhelming burden. A lament is a way of sharing messiness with the God who comforts. 
even if it's not our own messiness, it can be identifying with that in another person's life or in, in a community's life. Also, in this section, we encounter Jeremiah as a prophet, um, the one who speaks for God, and here um, and throughout the laments, we're given an insight into how God feels and responds. The really amazing thing here is that the way God responds is God weeps and mourns with them. It's really unexpected. I don't think you'd expect to read this, but um, God weeps and mourns with them. Even as they cry out with longing for his healing, God bathes them in his tears. Oh, he says, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. He's speaking through Jeremiah um, to, to describe his own emotion into the situation, God's own emotion into this situation. It reflects the depth of God's love for his people. God's heart is with them and for them. He has committed himself to them and so he enters into their suffering. Jeremiah's laments reveal a God who is deeply compassionate, long-suffering, merciful and gracious. He not only hears the laments of his people, he actually laments with them. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Many people, I think, have an image of God, which is a bit like um, Zeus or some superhero or something like that, very strong, unfazed by anything, aloof, uh, rescuing or making things right, but emotionally stunted. Not vulnerable at all. But Jeremiah shows us that God, in all his power, actually embraces weakness and identifies with our suffering, even suffering with us and for us. Uh, we see that again and again, even more clearly, of course, in Jesus, the God who weeps uh, at the death of his friend Lazarus, uh, who fully enters into this broken world and suffers with us and for us. Jeremiah tells us that God is willing to lament, and if God is willing to lament with his people, then lament becomes a significant invitation for us, for all of us. It raises the question, will we enter into this space with God? Will we join his people throughout history and around the world in practicing his presence even in the dark and difficult circumstances? And so we've seen um, one of Jeremiah's laments. We've, been think we've, we've thought a little bit about um, what's involved in lament, um, some of the shape of it, some of the, um, the belief and the confidence that lies behind it. Um, having said all that, lament is a very simple practice at the end of the day. It's a, it's a simple practice. It doesn't require um, lots of study or expertise. There are no elaborate rituals involved, um, but it does require vulnerability, uh, to be willing to say out loud where we hurt and what we long for. And it requires courage um, to believe in faith that God comes and sits with us in our darkness. And it can take time. Uh, it can take time to not rush too quickly to solutions or to resolutions and to be willing to return. Uh, return to this sacred space where God meets us in our deepest needs. Lament actually takes us to the foot of the cross, as Andrew said at the, at the outset, that's true, um, to the God who in King Jesus has once 
and for all entered into all of the sin, the suffering, the sorrow, and the brokenness of this world, and taken it upon himself, inviting us to cry out to him, uh, and with him for ourselves, for one another, and for our world. And so having said this, having spent some time thinking about lament, what I want to do to finish, um, or to sort of Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.